0: All right, checking the levels here. Okay, ready for the clap.
1: Three. Uh, well, ready. Three, two, one. Nailed it.
0: Hello. And welcome to another episode of The Clever Kids. This is a weekly podcast where three brothers take a look at a topic from popular culture that you may or may not care about. Uh, This week, it's just Jeff and Tyler. Um, Brian is going to miss out this week, not because he's uh, tired or hungover, but because he went to see the movie that we're going to be discussing, and then uh, about with about 30 minutes left in the movie, uh, the movie theater that he was at lost power with no um, timeline for when the power would be restored. And so he just missed the last 30 minutes of the movie. And uh, those last 30 minutes are pretty important for the movie that we're gonna be talking about. Uh, Jeff, what movie are we talking
1: about this week? We are talking about My Little Pony, Return from... No, no, wait. That's not it. Uh, it's for my other podcast. We're talking about Bond. We're talking about James Bond. Uh, did this one even have... No Time to Die. That's what it is.
0: It did have a title, yeah. They all have titles, Jeff. That would be
1: crazy if they didn't.
0: Um, yeah, that's right. We're talking about the 26th entry in the James Bond franchise, number six for Daniel Craig. Is that right? Uh, this is... Uh, five? Five? Number it's
1: five. five. he has a five, he had a five movie contract.
0: Let's see. He's got Casino Royale. He's got Quantum of Solace. He's got Skyfall. He's got Spectre, and now he has No Time to Die. No Time to Die. That is five movies for Daniel Craig, um, directed by Kerry Joji Fukunaga, um, starring Daniel Craig, uh, uh, Rafe Fiennes, Anna de Armas, Lea Seydoux, Naomi whatever her name is i can i harris um and lashana lynch um ben wishaw is in there as q uh rami malik in there as the villain safin um you got jeffrey wright in there as uh felix Leiter, and you got billy magnuson in there as something ash i don't remember uh logan logan ash that's right um Let's do. Uh, we're just gonna jump right into the movie. Let's do a quick, um, just like how you felt about it. Um, no spoiler review. No spoilers, right up top, and then and then jump in on uh on some spoilers in a minute here. Go ahead, Jeff. What did you What did you think of this movie?
1: Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was a different. Uh, I don't know. Something about the film felt different to me tonally um, than than the rest of the James Bond. Uh, Daniel Craig series um, especially the the climax of the film felt a lot more like a soldier on a mission than it did a spy a lot of the other the films kind of have this thing of them being like hey there's this mystery there's this person that we're targeting and it's James Bond kind of unraveling this thing and then usually kind of being on a head to head mission after discovering it whereas this one um, it kind of unraveled earlier in the film and then went with James Bond actually on like an organized, structured mission where he was going up against a base, uh, which I don't think we've seen. I, I can't really picture um, one that's that's very similar. Maybe Quantum of Solace um, had something similar, kind of a, a similar uh, sort of arc to it that I can picture it. But I, I would definitely say this one pulled it off better than Quantum of Solace. I would probably put Quantum of Solace at the bottom of my. Uh, um, Daniel Craig films. Although I will say that the theme song of Quantum of Solace is the top of the of the uh, James widely Bond.
0: considered to be one of the worst theme songs in any. Are you Bond fucking movie. kidding me?
1: Jack White and Alicia Keys—they murdered that shit. I so don't like fantastic. it very much.
0: Um, it's fine, uh, but uh, I don't. I don't like it very much. Um, so, um yeah did you have did you have anything else in there
1: uh not without going deeper into spoilers um that was uh
0: sure yeah um i will say that uh i i i really liked it um as far as putting it into the like ranking the top five daniel craig movies this one would be right in the middle um third on the list i think it's should be no surprise as it's my favorite movie of all time uh Uh, casino royale is number one on the list for daniel craig and then um skyfall would be number two this would be number three and then probably quantum of solace and then specter um but those two are kind of like tied for last in my opinion because um i don't like either of them that much but they're both you know fine bond movies Um, i would
1: say that specter has more redeeming qualities than Quantum of Solace, but it also has worse low points than Quantum of Solace. Quantum of Solace right. is pretty mediocre from start to finish. Whereas, uh, whereas, uh, Spectre had a really, really hot entryway and and kind of first third of the film. And then a really kind of, uh, I don't know, slow, not a great climax. Like, boring. It just wasn't just it, boring. It fizzled, um, out, fizzled out relatively quick in the film.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah. I really liked it. Um, I think that uh, it had a lot to do and uh, that's evidenced by its long ass runtime. Way too long. Three hours. I thought it was only going to be like two hours and 10, 15 minutes. I didn't look at the runtime before. It's like 2.40. Um, yeah. 2.45 or it's 200, two hours and 43 minutes or something like that. But um, you feel that. <laughs> like I went and saw this at seven o'clock last night and I thought we'd be out by like nine ish and I got home at 10 30 and was like, holy shit. Like that, I did not realize that that movie was that long. It also um, doesn't it,
1: help that movie theaters just are starting films later and later nowadays. Like I, right. I mean, it's disgusting when I show up 10 minutes late for a film and don't even miss the credit. Don't even miss the trailers. It's like, what is wrong with you guys?
0: Yeah. Um, I, uh, I mean, I will say that this movie really, it moves you know like it it it's quick and there's a lot of action there's a lot of uh chase scenes there's not a lot of downtime um you know there's not a lot of wasted time there's no bits that i would say like they could have you know probably cut this out because it was a waste of screen time or it didn't serve the plot i think every single scene um really like worked to service uh the story of james of this james bond outing and uh, you know i really i really did enjoy it all the way through i just you know it doesn't reach quite the the heights of storytelling that Casino Royale does, and, or like any of the visual magistry that um, that you get with Roger Deakins and Sam Mendes in Skyfall, um, but I, I, you know, I, 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 think it was a really solid movie. I think it did a good job of wrapping up, uh, you know, Daniel Craig's tenure as James Bond, um, and yeah, so I think that we can move right into spoilers so it's all spoilers from here on out if you have not seen this movie do not listen because there's definitely some stuff to spoil in this movie um but i want to open the floor up to jeff real quick and see were there any questions because i have some questions that i feel like weren't answered um or like some things that they set up in the movie that just never really paid off in any significant way so i'm interested to see if you had anything
1: yeah I mean like for the first two-thirds of the film they bring up multiple times that that uh madeline, uh, madeline has like this deep dark secret that's gonna bring down bond They're like he's just like oh and bond finds out that like blofeld uh blofeld's in the film by the way uh, <laughs> when when he's like oh my god when 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 she tells you their secret like it's gonna bring you, and then like there's gonna, no gonna be the death secret. of you her secret's it's- gonna
0: be the death yeah that's the main thing i watched so many spoiler filled recaps today after seeing the movie last night trying to figure out what was her secret like they made such a big deal in the trailers and in the marketing about like secrets coming back to haunt you and like how um her and like in the movie it's like she has this secret that she's gonna wait to tell him and secret secret secrets 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 and at the end it's like what was her secret? Like I don't understand why like we already like her I, I just I don't know what the secret could have been. Like what was the secret? I mean, we knew from Specter that she didn't like guns uh and she didn't talk to her father because her father was the reason that her mother was killed. Um and that she shot a man who was trying to kill her after killing her mother. That's that's a story that we hear in Specter. She talks to him about it a thing on the train in the train scene, right? So she already told Bond basically that whole story except for the part where she falls into the ice and the and the bad guy saves her.
1: And she had no reason to believe that that guy was still a threat or that that guy had any reason. Which, or speaking lived of which.
0: through the four bullets she put in his chest? Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, what? I, I have that in my notes here. Like, what? How do you, how awkward do you think that was when he pulls her out of the ice and then he's just like, all right, I'm going to get going? <laughs> She's yeah, like, later, walking back into the you, woods.
0: You have to assume he brought her back to safety. So, did he raise her for a portion of time? I doubt it because no, she didn't recognize no. him. when she yeah, has he was no idea sitting what in her he office. looks like.
1: All, all she knows right. is that he wore a mask. She just, he just pulled her out and was like, all right don't fall back in I'm, I'm leaving i don't know right it's so i don't strange. know what
0: that was about at all i was like i don't what is this secret that they keep talking about that's gonna bring yes. bond to his knees or kill him you know i definitely felt so- like
1: there was something in the script that was removed late post-production uh, that they that they kind of went with a different tonal shift which I, i'd be interested to, to know what that is behind the scenes so- um
0: well let's touch on that real quick because this movie was, was originally going to be directed by danny boyle who uh directed um that heroin movie with uh ewan mcgregor from the 90s that everyone likes what is that called um uh, choose oh. life whatever that
1: movie's called um, not moulin rouge what
0: no that's not about heroin that's no. about like disco or not disco uh like
1: uh it's a Romeo and Juliet story um sort of
0: yeah anyway um it's about what is that fucking called when the girls sensually strip uh i don't whatever in like the 1950s or something uh 30s 20s something i haven't seen burlesque burlesque that is the term i was thinking of um anyway it's called train spotting got there um he directed Train Spotting. He directed uh 28 Days Later and 28 Weeks Later. Um, he's a very talented director. I like him quite a lot. He also directed uh Steve Jobs, not to be confused with Jobs, starring Ashton Kutcher. We're talking Steve Jobs with Michael Fassbender and Seth Rogen. Um, he's a really good director. I like him quite a lot. I was really excited to see what he would do with James Bond. Apparently, he left with some uh because of some creative differences, um that have been undisclosed. Um, they may have to do with probably the most major spoiler to ha- to be a part of this movie, which is James Bond fucking dies in this movie. Which I did, I you know, I'll talk about that a little bit more. But I, a lot of people are saying that probably the reason that he left is because he didn't want to kill Bond off. He didn't agree that Bond should die. Um, so anyway, he was originally the director and uh, had a full and finished script and then they had their creative differences. He walked away. Another director came on, um, worked on that script, uh, and then he walked away. And then Kerry Joji Fukunaga, who was the director of every episode of the first season of True Detective. He also directed a show called Maniac that was on Netflix starring Jonah Hill and Emma Stone that I quite liked. Um, I like him a lot. He came on, reworked the script, shot the movie, movie comes out. I wonder if there are parts in the in in that because of that so many people having their hands on the story you know i wonder if um if you know some of the things just kind of got lost in 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 an effort to more streamline the movie i mean there's a second movie inside of this movie which is i mean the movie starts with madeline and uh james on what i thought was a honeymoon but apparently was not a honeymoon uh, just apparently just a very romantic trip around Italy, uh, to one of the most beautiful cities I've ever seen in the world. I <laughs> did not know this place existed. That blew my mind. I was like, I like, had to pick my job off the floor when I saw that. I was like, I have to go to that city in Italy now. That's incredible. Um,
1: aren't they in Athens? You're talking about the Greek city?
0: I don't think they're in Greece. I'm pretty sure they're in Italy. Um, that that initial city. I mean, she calls something the Acropolis, right? The Acropolis, I, right? That's in... yeah. But the an Acropolis is like a is like a is like something on top of a hill. Like that's what an Acropolis actually is. It might even just be like a a word for top of a hill. Um, don't fact check me and don't get mad at me if you're Italian or Greek. I don't you know I don't speak your languages. Um, so they're in that city. Um, she encourages vesper to go and i mean she encourages james to go visit vesper's grave he goes he get. he said he says his goodbyes he gets blown up he thinks by specter and then there's a great opening fight scene chasing with the motorcycles and jumping off of bridges and all kinds of stuff happening that was really fun um and then he he basically gets rid of Madeline because he believes that she betrayed him to specter. Yeah, right. Up exactly. So then he,
1: he thinks that it is yeah, exactly everything that happened with Vesper just happened again.
0: Right. So he retires and he goes and lives in Jamaica, beautiful house that he lives in, in Jamaica. In- absolutely incredible. What's up with that outdoor shower? <laughs> Does he not shower? Like what he just leaves his toothbrush outside all the time that was crazy that see that really grossed me out <laughs> um i mean it's an incredible idea for a shower but if that's your only shower what are you doing when it rains i know it still rains in jamaica you're just not showering like come on man um great how, no walls either doesn't seem like a very feasible place to spend five years but i mean i guess he did it um in jamaica he's approached by jeffrey wright uh Felix Leiter, our uh, CIA representative, long-term friend of James Bond from the books and, you know, has a long history in the films, usually played as a white man, but I actually really like Jeffrey Wright's interpretation of the character. He's a little bit more fun. Um, And Jeffrey Wright, he basically goes on a, on a, like a full movie happens with Jeffrey Wright, basically, you know, like he goes off on this um, journey with Jeffrey Wright to Cuba, Meets Anna DeArmas, who would play the typical Bond girl role. Goes to a specter. I thought she
1: was just a ton of fun in this film. Yeah,
0: super fun character. I love that scene where they go into the wine cellar. And he's like, is this your room? She's like, this is a wine cellar. And he's like, oh, okay. And then she's like, take this off. And starts unbuttoning his shirt. And he's just like, well, I I thought we'd get to know each other before. And then he moves in for a kiss. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. Here. And he's like, hands him a tuxedo. And he's just like, oh. Yep, and then he seems kind of embarrassed, and he's like, "Do you mind turning around?" Or <laughs> right,
1: like it totally flipped the the stereotypical interaction between him and women, where not necessarily that she wasn't attracted to him, but just like it wasn't he he was definitely caught off guard.
0: He totally was like, "Oh, this is oh another James Bond thing. Time to fuck," and she was just like, "No, what? We're on a mission. Like we have shit to do, dude. Like get dressed. Like what are you doing?" Uh, very, very, very funny to me. Um, she was so good I genuinely I have underrated her as an actress until I saw her in Knives Out and was like oh she's really killing this role that's great for her and then she did this and I was like wow another really great performance by Anna Darmus like she looks great she does all the action scenes really incredibly like especially in like those pumps with the the silk dress you know like running and jumping and kicking dudes in the head and shit genuinely impressed uh by her performance um but he goes to cuba specter that whole thing happens where specter dies or gets gets killed with the the disease right then he takes the doctor has the fight with the other mi6 agent right has the the police shootout then gets on the boat with with uh i just fucking said felix lighter and which, we find you out that Felix over. gets betrayed and then the rest of that movie would just be Bond chasing down the guy who betrayed Felix. And that, and then when he kills him and says the same thing that I have a brother, I mean, his name is Felix.
1: Of, you've kind of glanced over the fact that uh, Bond gets replaced by MI6 as well. Oh, I'm
0: just talking about the fact that there's two separate full plots right. of mo- like mo- movie worth of – I mean, no wonder this movie was three hours long. It has two full movies inside of it. Right. It's crazy. But um, it didn't
1: it didn't feel too bad to me. It was overstuffed. it was mean, right. it,
0: Yeah. No, I don't I don't think so either. That I just was, blended was like, man, well, there's a but, lot but happening.
1: when you put it into perspective like that, it definitely does feel like there were two scripts that were written by two different people that someone turned around and melted into one. Right. Because, right, because the second, then
0: a whole second like storyline starts after that.
1: Right film right? number two is he reconnects with with Madeline after finding out that Blofeld is the final target of this secret organization of which that just destroyed Spectre in one fell swoop and he has no idea who they are so he has to get into to, um, target Blofeld only to find out that he has been weaponized and uh, Blofeld dies very
0: anticlimactic death on Blofeld I yeah, really... happens off screen yeah his death happens off screen very strange I really didn't like how james bond and him are having their little joker batman moment in the prison and then bond chokes him i just it didn't feel right when he like leaned in and was like die brother and like is like choking him i was like this is fucking dumb i don't like this at all like that was probably my least favorite part of the entire movie was that blofeld scene it felt like they tacked it in uh, at the end um to kind of make it work right um yeah, I didn't get that really at all. Um, I, uh, what else? Um, so, yeah, so then, let's, let's go back and let's talk about LaShawna Lynch as the new 007. No, Me sure. was the character's name. Um, how did you feel about
1: that? Did I you? I thought it was fine. I, I think yeah. it's going to be, have interesting ramifications on, cause I mean, right now there's this, there's this trend on the internet that you're seeing of who's going to be the next James Bond. Um, and obviously people have been making these, these casting decisions based on, um, I don't know his, the history of James Bond actors, so they've been casting stereotypical white males. Or in the specific case of Idris Elba, which I well, I don't think Idris Elba would make a bad James Bond. It seems weird to replace a 50-year-old Daniel Craig with a 50-year-old Idris Elba. Yeah, he's um, too old
0: now. If they, if Daniel Craig had left after Skyfall, which was, I think he wanted to, Idris Elba would have could have slotted right in at like that same age range and they could have got like another three movies out of idris but i just i don't see them doing a 50 year old or you know 45 year old man the the longevity isn't there anymore i think he could
1: have a role i just don't think it would be as james bond especially if they're trying to do uh you know make several films but i think that if um, they
0: wanted to make idris Elba like like with the next james bond if they wanted to make idris Elba a another double o yeah it's who's like who's like running his own crime situation now um yeah like do another like sort of Alex Trevelyan thing with Goldeneye I think that that would be a great way to use Idris Elba in these movies and get him into one but you know unfortunately they didn't get him in when uh he was young enough to take on the mantle and you yeah know, they just aren't but back to your I, Lynch so yeah I think
1: she did fine I was in, I enjoyed their banter back and forth I enjoyed enjoyed the role that she played in challenging Bond um and you know making uh, a way for herself um, i honestly feel like they could have used her more but like we've already discussed they've uh split the movie into two different films and with that uh it seems like a lot of her effectiveness was kind of cut short yeah but um, she
0: got to have some like really great moments where we see how how skilled she is you know what i mean like sure. she 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 repels in grabs a doctor and zip lines back out and then he's like taking on the cops by herself and then the guy runs away and she keeps fighting and like she you know what i mean like she has to keep fighting and then in that final mission um you know she really holds her own is like taking out a lot of guys and then is like sort of tasked with keeping madeline safe as james bond goes back to finish the mission um and uh you know her coming to terms with the fact that she thinks 007 is like this important thing that she she took from james bond because she earned it and he's just like it's just a number you know like and then for I her thought, to be like, yeah, it's just a number. You can have it back. I don't even want, like, you can be 007. I don't care. You know, I thought that that was kind of a cool little, like, I don't need to be you. I can be my own. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, th- I thought yeah. it was kind I of thought, like her taking, coming into her own a little bit. I thought that was cool.
1: I thought that, that she, I expected more from her when she saw James again. I mean, I don't know if she was fully aware that James was the one that shot out her zip line. Cause like, he directly sabotaged her mission and put like literally almost got her killed. And like, it looks like she had it home free and he turns around and shoots at her zip line so that he can take the target back to the CIA and interrogate him himself so that he could find out what's going on. Um, since he felt it was personally involved because it was Spectre. And mm-hmm. the next time she sees him, she's just like, Oh, Hey, and I was just like, I'm surprised she didn't just fucking sucker punch him.
0: I mean, she looked pissed um, that he was there uh their man their banter i love that scene where they're walking through mi6 together and people are like uh, (laughs) 007 like because they're so used to saying that to james and then they see james and they're saying it to the other 007 you know and then at the end um when he you know M's like no you you can come into my office alone and then he's like oh does that bother you (laughs) i thought that that was very funny I thought
1: that uh, Q was fun in the film I mean he's always got a fun role the actor that plays Q is uh, I think very good I wish that he was in more films Ben um,
0: Whishaw yeah he's good he's a very talented actor um, I like that he. so he's an openly gay man uh, I think and um, he. they made him an openly gay character and I like that the way that they did it was just like he. he's like t- setting the, the table for dinner and they're like oh are we expecting someone he's like yeah he's gonna be here in 30 minutes and then that's the whole thing you know what I mean it's like they don't they, they don't like all go what he or anything like that it was just sort of like just like casual and they all act like they already knew it you know what i mean it's just it was good to see someone have that sort of representation and it just be kind of displayed normally rather than like having a lantern hung on it i thought that, that was that was good to see um uh let's see what 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 else happens here um how did you feel about the uh, Felix Leiter betrayal? Did you, were you s- super surprised by that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't expecting it. Um, I thought it was that, good. That I thought actor,
0: was... Billy Magnuson, is really good at playing just kind of like a doofy, like funny kind of idiot, you know? He's I, in I, Game Night.
1: Yeah, um, that's where I'd seen him before. Um, I put it together in the film, but I couldn't remember now um, what I'd seen it before. And he's in something else, too. Uh, yeah, he's in a lot seem- of things.
0: Uh, he's in a movie called Ingrid Goes West where he plays Ash- uh, not Ashley Olsen, Elizabeth Olsen's brother, um, which is a really weird movie that makes you want to delete every social media app that you have. Um, but it's good. Uh, he's just, you know, he's, I think that he's a really talented up and coming actor. Uh, putting him in a role like this was a great choice because he's kind of unassuming. He sort of seems like he's just like some green, you know, new CIA agent in the field. Who's just kind of like by the book, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh no, he's actually a secret uh, double agent, and he yeah. kills fucking Felix Leiter. I mean, in then- so many
1: in so many of these films, they have you know this large, widespread organization of people that are all heartfelt loyalists of the big bad without any actual description as to why. Which is fine. You obviously can't give every single person a super in depth backstory, but like, is it really just money? this guy betrayed the cia to kill millions of people just for or maybe he really extra... believes
0: in that that whole concept of the new world order i mean safin's plan which i think i want to get into next you know doesn't really make a lot of sense except for that it's kind of the thanos thing it, it'll help tidy up the world right like that's his line and it's like okay so it's like kill half a population or three quarters of the population so that there's less people causing less problems um and maybe that guy maybe billy magnuson's character is just um is uh you know a, a true believer in that concept you know what i mean maybe he's just okay with that
1: yeah um but anyway regardless uh I, I enjoyed the actor that i enjoyed all of it i enjoyed q i enjoyed uh um that i enjoyed i thought that the death felix's death was was poignant um sad thought, yeah
0: really sad got me I was like, oh, no, they just killed Felix. He just said he had a daughter or kids or something. you know? as, Like,
1: as, as soon as they killed Felix, I thought I the thought occurred to me is, I wonder if this is the first time that we're going to see Bond die on screen. And sure enough. Um, so
0: on that, right before the movie started, um, I was talking to my wife, who's not as not as into movies as I am, obviously, because it's kind of hard to be on my level um, because I have not not in any way that i'm bragging it is like i have a weird obsessive thing about knowing everything about movies um so we're talking about it and we're talking about james bond and she's she's like oh okay so like uh dan like this is daniel craig's last one and i was like yeah and she's like so is he gonna die and i was like no they would never kill james bond on screen and then and then it was like a couple minutes into the movie after the uh opening scene um they start talking. Someone he's talking to someone. I think maybe he's talking to Felix, and he says something, and I was just like, "Oh, that seemed like that's what you, a character would be said, like something you would say to a character before they die, you know." And then um, Blofeld has a scene where he's like, "Oh, her secret will will kill you or something like that," and I was like, "Oh my god, they're gonna kill! <laughs> they're actually gonna kill him!" I was wrong. They're gonna kill him, and then I was right. And then it was right when they they gave him a daughter. I was like, oh, he's fucking dead. He's so dead. They're definitely going to kill him. He's definitely going to sacrifice himself for the daughter. Like, I know it. There's no way that he's not going to do that. And I was fucking, I mean, I was right. But really, my wife was right and I was wrong. But then I was right afterwards. Um,
1: well, you yeah. realized your wife was right. But yeah, I mean, there's there's a plot line in, uh, I'm not going to go too deep into this, but in, in the, the Smallville TV show, there's a plot line in which... Um, super clark kent confesses his love for his long-term high school crush lana lane and uh lana lang lana lang lang sorry and uh lex luther and his attempt to make sure that clark kent never finds happiness poisons lana lang with like kryptonite blood which gives her superpowers but at the same same time makes her poisonous to superman so she can never be with him and uh that's kind of the route that they went and that's the route that they're going to go is that they didn't have to kill bond, but they effectively killed him breaking his spirit by making sure that he could never like, as soon as they introduced that vial of the nanobites that would kill his wife um, or not his wife, but his love and his daughter. Um, that's the immediately the, the correlation that popped into my head.
0: Yeah. So um, another, like one of the reasons, so talking about bond's death and Safin's plan there, um his idea is he's gonna sell it to people so that they can start weeding out some of the population because the idea is that they've created this this virus that is filled with nanobots that can be targeted towards specific DNA so that you can be a carrier forever and not know it and then you just bump into a guy on the subway and he's got similar DNA or the same DNA like he's related to somebody and then it kills that person almost instantly. Um, it basically will wipe out a whole bloodline eventually just by nature of it being out in the world because anytime that you touch somebody skin-to-skin contact, it'll transmit that virus and that per- everybody right. becomes a carrier. Seven
1: degrees of separation, all that. We'll,
0: yeah, and it'll kill anybody. So Bond actually has to sacrifice himself at the end of the movie because if he is carrying the disease, it's just a matter of time before it somehow gets to his daughter, and the love of his life. Eventually, like he would have to go live in a remote location or and wear gloves and a, f- a full balaclava for the rest of his life, basically, because even just going to like a simple doctor's appointment, that doctor suddenly is transmitted and then who knows what that doctor does on a day-to-day basis, you know? Like yeah. h- h- by, by simple virtue of him being a carrier, his like he, he can't just even just like go off and live without them he has to just like, he has to kill himself just to save them. It's actually, you know, it's very interesting. Um, I don't know how I feel about them killing James Bond. I still don't really like that. I, if I'm honest, I, it, it really kind of like broke my heart that they would, they would put a, a full end on a James Bond story, especially since I feel like you could have given him a happy ending, you know, like he could have rode off into the sunset with his love and daughter. But I think Daniel Craig probably was like, "Fuck that, kill me." Because if if you don't kill him, if you don't kill me, then I'll always have to field answers about coming back for the rest of my life. I'll always be asked if I can co- if I'm gonna come back. You know, Sean Connery was asked all the time. Roger Moore got asked all the time if he would ever like show up in another one. And Daniel Craig was like fucking I'm not, I'm
1: not doing this again that's that's uh, speculation um
0: i guarantee you that is what ha- i will like i'll put money on that being part of the reason that this got put in so, apparently it was daniel craig's input that that he wanted the character to die in this movie and the broccolis uh, agreed that that would be a fitting end for this version of the character so that's that's what you say i mean i haven't heard daniel craig explicitly say that out loud but that's what i've i've read is sure that that's part of it so
1: um so yeah in this film i mean some of the typical things that we think about with bond you know are, are um james bond runs around sleeping with women and using expensive gadgets it's kind of the uh the trope that it's been for like 60 years and daniel craig while that has been reduced has still been true for all of his films except for this one um, while he did sleep with a woman, it's the same woman that he's been with since the previous film. Um, and you find out that he is now a daughter who, and he's in love with the, the, the mother of that daughter again. And the only gadget he uses throughout the entire film is uh, a watch that has uh, varying abilities depending on when it needs to work.
0: <laughs> it's like At a, one point, a high-powered electromagnet. It, but it, it's not it, very it,
1: high-powered because it doesn't fry his earpiece for some reason the first yeah, time he it has uses to it. be
0: close to things right so he uses it, it on a door
1: to get through and it immediately fries the entire floor's uh camera system like they immediately go yeah. hey the entire lower level is no we no longer we're no longer getting feeds from cameras for the entire lower level so that's a pretty yeah, fucking strong emp
0: that is pretty good You're and then right, he uses it to
1: is... blow up someone's I implant and his earpiece immediately starts working, and they're like Bond. What happens? And he goes, Oh yeah, your watch just blew someone's mind. And I was like, are You fucking Great shitting joke. me! <laughs> Great joke. <laughs> you guys just <laughs> literally broke the rules of your own universe in order to make a shitty joke.
0: Yo, that okay.
1: Well, we got to
0: come back. I need. I don't have notepads. All my notepads are packed up because I'm moving this week. Um, but make a note about touching on the action scenes. I don't know if you have notepads, but mental note. Um. But uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, that's always true in these movies, right? Like these gadget, uh, gadgets aren't always um, always perfect. Sure, uh, perfectly explained. Um, how did you feel about the uh, the humor in this movie? It felt like, it felt like what? a lot more. Like it almost kind of like went back to that Pierce Brosnan era of like jokes and humor. Um, that I, I thought it, I them. thought it worked.
1: There wasn't a ton of them, but I thought the ones that they had were, were funny sometimes. I don't know.
0: I thought that all the a lot of the humor worked for me. Um, probably the moment that got me the best was uh, when um, Bond meets back up with M and tells him that he, he was working with Money, Penny, and Q. And he goes, Oh, for fuck's sake. That shit. I laughed. I fully laughed out loud because it just did not expect that to come out. It was very funny.
1: Yeah. And then, um, uh, when Q shows up and he's like, Oh, Oh my God, James Bond, I haven't seen you. And James Bond's like, dude, should e- M's like, he already knows. I know. <laughs> and then, and then Dana Craig's expression though, is like throughout that whole scene, he's just like, really, this is how you're going to sell it. Yeah. Like, this yeah. was your plan. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's very good.
0: Um, you know, they always throw the one liners in, uh, for any time a gadget gets used and I love it. I think it's very funny. Um, Let's see. Let's talk. Let's move into well. You know what? We didn't. We haven't really talked about Rami Malik at all. How did you feel about the villain?
1: Um, I thought it was fine. Um, I mean, he's, he's you know a tragic uh, backstory. His family was murdered. That his family were uh poison manufacturers in the Cold War era that were targeted by Specter early on. And no, they worked
0: for Specter, and then uh, Mr. Blofeld White. decided he didn't like them, and so he he called for their their assassination and mr white poisoned them all the kid that rami malik grew from was also poisoned but survived but that's why he's horribly scarred um and that's why he hates specter so much because because they betrayed his family right um how did you feel about his performance specifically though did you you like it yeah he wasn't really given a lot right i felt like That was something that really didn't get explored as much as i would have liked i would have i think i would have liked to have seen a little bit more from him
1: i mean it's, it's pretty stereotypical with with villains they you know pick a specific speech pattern a specific way for them to perform and then just say just do this for a couple hours on screen and and that's what they do right i mean he's got this kind of gaunt expression he's kind of got this scarred look in his eyes and he just kind of got this scarred face and he whispers throughout the film which is fine it didn't do anything for me i wasn't like oh my god that was the most impressive thing ever like i think so far out of yeah, all but of the we,
0: like even with like javier bardem obviously in skyfall gets a lot to do right and he right. kills that role he's so Absolutely. good and memorable like he's so good in that film and and even uh, like Dominic Green in uh, Quantum of Solace, who I don't know what that actor's name is. Um, and I don't particularly like him or that movie or that role, but like that character is given kind of a lot to do. And like Le Chiffre, another one where they gave the, the villain a lot. And Mads Mikkelsen fucking like has built his career off of showing up in that movie. You know what I mean? Like I love Mads Mikkelsen because of his role in that movie. And I'll see yeah. pretty much any movie he's in. Because of that,
1: yeah, Matt Nicholson absolutely used to full effectiveness in in quantum or in, uh, oh, Casino, Casino Royale, Royale. yeah, and absolutely. Then, I mean,
0: Christopher or Christoph Waltz even gets a lot to do as Blofeld Inspector in a movie that's not that good, but he still gets to do something. I don't necessarily like what they did with it, where yeah. they made him into like a comic book supervillain who's obsessed with destroying this one person for some reason and, uh, he and uses to a do lot so. of money spend so much money to, to go after this one guy um but uh you know he you know he's given a lot to do and i think that you know christoph waltz always puts in a good performance even though i didn't necessarily like the role or the way that they what they did with that character i still like he was good i don't feel like they gave um uh i just said his name Rami Uh, Malek a lot to do in this and I was kind of bummed because I do actually think that he's a good actor Um, and I think that he could I was really excited to see what they did with this role and I just feel like they you know I don't really get what his motivation was was it just money was it just to kill they didn't really show a lot of conviction in him about like why he was killing all of these people they didn't really flesh any of that out you know or willing to do it even yeah Um, and
1: he and at one point you know throughout the film he has this obsession with with Madeline um, because he claims to have this obsession because he fell in love with her when he saved her from the ice and felt this connection to her but at the same time he drops that at the fucking drop of a hat and tries Um, to
0: kill her multiple times
1: and it's just strange like there's no not real consistency not that humans are the most consistent but um,
0: yeah I don't know I I don't I don't really get I, I'm kind of bummed that, you know, that that's another major failing from this movie, which, which makes it, you know, puts it at number three on my list. It's just, I just felt like they really, they didn't really serve the the villain a lot. And honestly, like one of the things that keeps James Bond going is memorable villains, right? Like that's what the franchise really is based right. on is, is the memorable uh, villains. And to give him in his last outing, kind of this person who's relatively forgettable, um, was kind of a bummer for me. Um, let's talk about the uh the action scenes um, sure. we have three really big ones here four really big ones actually so we have the opening chase through that beautiful city in italy right um, opening yep what did you think of that one
1: i thought that was great honestly probably one of the highlights of the film i thought you know standard standard daniel craig action i mean there's a point where he jumps off a bridge Using a rope, just a rope, (laughs) and and falls down to a lower level. And I'm, I swear to God, it's Daniel Craig taking that hit at the end because he stands right up and starts running towards the camera. And I was like, "Fuck, Daniel! Like, you got to stop selling your body for this film."
0: That hit is so hard. He fucking wrecks himself on that wall. He hits it full speed. I was like, "Oh fuck!" And it's definitely a real human. That was not CGI. Someone really hit that wall. (laughs) Yeah, I was impressed. Um, I don't know if it was Daniel Craig, but maybe, um. Yeah, and it moves into a motorcycle chase scene through the, that those narrow cobblestone streets in that city. Really great Triumph Scrambler 800 uh, cc motorcycle. Really beautiful bike. Um, and he just
1: right. he just like he, skids all the way up and just drops it on
0: the ground. That's like a twelve thousand dollar motorcycle. He just like <laughs> crashes right. it and walks away. I mean, away. we
1: we skip we skip the 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 start of the chase scene. Is he's visiting you know Vesper's grave. And he notices a specter card gets fucking blown to shit and then is immediately entered into a chase where he then thinks that his his girlfriend is either behind it or at under attack. And he shows up to find out that she's on like ready to leave. So he's immediately suspicious of her and basically feels like he's had his suspicions confirmed uh, that she was behind it. So then he throws her in the car and then there's that moment when he gets cornered. And they're just fucking unloading on his car and the big bad is walking up and just putting bullet after bullet after bullet into the passenger side window. And he's just sitting there calmly, like, like looking
0: at her like, yeah, bitch. He just letting said, yeah. her have it. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Um
0: anyone who's been in a relationship
1: he- has probably felt that moment at least a little bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> at least once a week for me. Um I uh I love this chase scene with the Austin Martin DB five. Um really beautiful. Um, beautifully shot. I can't. I can't speak enough about. I don't know who the cinematographer was on this film. Uh, Jeff, do you want to look that up real quick while I'm talking? Um, but they they really kill it. They really do a great job uh, directing and shooting this action here. Uh, I um, that the way that he's driving through that that city with the narrow streets and he's using the the different um, gadgets that are in the Aston Martin DB5 is really fun. You know, he's he's like doing like a drift and throwing out the little uh, mines out the back and then a car drives over him and it blows that car up and then he does like a u-turn and goes back around the car that just blew up and uh he um you know he gets he gets cornered and he uh, puts the machine guns out and and the smoke and just starts doing donuts just machine gunning everybody i was just like man this is fucking cool this is really good um,
1: um, so the director of cinematography or or the director of photography I guess is what they called it is, yeah, that's uh, right. uh, Linus Sondren. he did <laughs> La La land he did oh. um, another
0: movie that is well renowned for it I think he won an Academy Award for the cinematography and that
1: American hustle oh
0: yep yep it's um, another good one know, a couple another other great ones, but those are the two
1: okay um,
0: so he's got so he's got some some high quality movies under his belt I don't think American hustle is you know the best movie by any means but sure but it is a
1: recognizable title
0: and it looks great um and la la land obviously won a bunch of academy awards yeah um, and i'm pretty sure that uh cinematography was oh you know what that's the one where they went one for one with uh with moon moonlight i think was the movie uh that that it was called um and that one had some really impressive cinematography as well so that one might have won but either way Uh, really really talented uh, cinematographer and did a really good job with a lot of these um, these action scenes Uh, that that opening one is really great Um, the next one we get we already talked about is in Cuba with Ana de Armas Um, she really kills it in this Daniel Craig obviously is really good Um, the but we already talked about that one the next one we haven't talked about yet uh, and has one of the best deaths in James Bond history, in my opinion, um, is when they're escaping Madeleine's uh, home in Norway, um, which this whole scene was really incredible to me. They they get the daughter in the car in the toilet, and then like the nineteen ninety eight. Uh, Land Cruiser Toyota Land Cruiser and then they're being chased by brand new Range Rovers and the Land Cruiser is fucking, <laughs> like it's like a used car commercial like they really made that that, that 1998 Toyota look really incredible and really impressive made me kind of want a Toyota actually and um, they it, it's a great chase scene uh, car chase scene that ends up with James Bond doing some Rambo shit in a in a misty foggy forest in norway that was so cool and really 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 beautiful you know i will say
1: before they make it to the to the misty foggy forest he goes off-roading trying to lose them and there's this scene where he gets rid of the two cars that are chasing him and then he looks out onto the the rim and there's this brink of this forest where like eight Range Rovers and like two motorcyclists All come over this hill clearing At the same exact time Completely unfeasible But they all just get this fucking massive jump And then land I, I was just like oh shit Yeah <laughs> like that was cool there's like an Avengers moment where it was like cheesy as shit that all the enemies arrive at once, especially it's yeah. like, oh, I beat this wave of enemies. Oh, no, the second wave. Like, OK, stupid. But at the same time, it was visually impressive to just see the cars get airborne, um, yeah, it whether really it was fun. fake or not.
0: Also, uh, some more Triumph Scramblers and some Triumph Tigers. Triumph is a UK-based motorcycle company, so it's not a surprise that they would have a bunch of those in James Bond. Uh, they're also some of my favorite motorcycles that are out there. So I'm just going to throw that out there for all the other uh, gearheads um so then what follows is this really great action scene in the forest where james bond is like taking people out with with guns he's taking people out with ropes um i really like when uh he took out the motorcycle with by like putting the the winch around the trees right takes out that motorcyclist and then he sees another land rover and they're shooting at him and he just starts walking like he doesn't care that they're shooting at him you know and um he walks and then he just turns at this right this perfect spot and the land cruiser turns to hit him and it hits a log and it just goes flying over his head and uh he shoots the, the driver and then he goes around and he sees L- logan ash is that what it was the guy who killed felix and he, the guy's pinned under a tree a little bit and the car is up against a tree and the tree starts to snap and the car's there, and he starts questioning the guy, and the guy's like, I can't do anything for you, blah, 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 And um, Daniel Craig says something about, I had a brother, his name was Felix, yeah. and then he well, just he says, like spanks the car. What, what Logan
1: Ash <laughs> says is, uh, you can't take down whatever the, the villain's name is, Grammy Malik alone, so why don't you help me out of this brother? And he says, I had a brother once, which me and probably most of the audience would have thought Blofeld who he right. just killed. And then he says, and his name is Felix, Wright." And then he pulls the car Felix down. Lider, which, yeah. Felix yeah. He just yeah.
0: like slaps it. He doesn't pull it. He just like spanks. <laughs> he just slaps the car and just that little bit of force. And it just rolls right over the dude. I was like, wow, that was, that was good. I really liked that. Um, I thought it was really fun. Um, yeah really really great um great scene there in the forest uh and then Rami Malek goes and takes uh, Madeline and they go to the island um and then this is the the final action scene here um and we can kind of wrap up I think the discussion here with this final action scene Daniel Craig and Lashawna Lynch kind of tearing through this facility together as double O's. Um, you get to really see her her action prowess. I thought she was really great in this scene. Um, and uh, you know, Daniel Craig obviously. You know, back to your point, this one. You know, they really lean into James Bond's story as a as a soldier, right? Like she calls him uh, Mr. Bond in the beginning of the movie, and he says Commander Bond, like learn some respect or something like that. James Bond is, was a commander in the, 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 uh, British Navy. Um, and, uh, yeah, you really see like that soldier part of James Bond in a way that you haven't seen in a long time. I mean, uh, back to your point from earlier about him entering like sort of a fortress and, and kind of taking out bad guys. That's like John uh, Sean Connery era, James Bond stuff, right. you know, and harkening back to Dr. No, uh, the first James Bond movie um you know we see James Bond kind of clearing out henchmen as he moves through and you get a lot of it with Roger Moore too a little bit less so and then Pierce Brosnan um actually does it quite a lot too you know entering facilities and taking people out um not quite as much and not done quite as well um but it was kind of fun to have Daniel Craig get a fortress storming moment and take out you know a hundred dudes or something um
1: yeah i was they're, thinking early on in the film this has got to be a really high body count for bond
0: yeah um how about so he gets his whole thing in this scene is that he has to um he has to take out he has to open up some uh some blast doors because they're in a missile silo and they're sending in a miss- an airstrike to take out this this, this farm disease of making facility yeah. right and um they uh he has to open it so he goes and he opens it and he's gonna make it out and then when he's about halfway out um he stops to pick up his daughter's bunny which she had dropped and he sees that the silo doors are closing again and he's like fuck i have to go back and open them and what follows is a really 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 crazy one shot of him fighting up a stairwell um john wick style they do a one take shot really long take of him climbing up the stairwell and having to fight all of these different dudes and like guns running out of bullets and throwing guns in people's faces and um it ends in a fist fight with the uh the henchman who I don't know if we ever get his name, but he's got a robotic eye in the movie. Um and he's the one that Jeff had referenced earlier with the the, the watch that blows his eye up. Um what did you think of this this action scene? Did you did you like it? Yeah. Did you think it was good? I mean I,
1: so I thought it was okay. There was uh, one point of contention that I did not like which was there's a moment when he steps into a stairwell and uh, I think is about to fire when a grenade drops and he you immediately didn't like that? <laughs> so he immediately like, looks at a grenade, picks it up and throws it back up and it explodes and then what happens is three grenades drop,
0: I think it was like which five. I thought was <laughs> funny
1: but yeah. his response to survive five grenades dropping at his feet is to drump about Four feet to the left.
0: He jumps up. He takes two steps up and then jumps up to a, another yeah, step. he's dead.
1: He's dead by a fucking mile, dude. The thing that kills grenades isn't explosions. It's the concussive force that is released from the grenade. It basically releases so much pressure that your brain literally cannot handle it and you die. Now, you multiply that by five. 10 feet of sp- space isn't going to do shit for you.
0: I mean, it does show him having the the shell shock after it happens, right? With like the ears ringing and him like kind of looking around and like making sure he's not being attacked. In they that definitely did it
1: at the beginning of the film at Vesper's grave. They did not do it enough at the end of the film. It was definitely some <laughs> Hollywood bullshit. Um, where i was just like are you fucking kidding me like you dropped five grenades and like it would have been one thing if he like dove out the room and tried to close the door and then got flung backwards like that would still be unbelievable but i believe that he survived but him just taking a step and diving away from grenades <laughs> you're so <laughs> fucking dead you were so yeah, fucking well, dead
0: whatever it was still fun i really liked that moment where he, he like sees the grenade land and then he grabs it and he just goes huh! and throws it up <laughs> and it blows up And then all of a sudden you just see five grenades just fall from the same spot. he's just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. (laughs) I thought that was very funny. Um, Um,
1: I didn't understand why. Like, they had this big face-off between James Bond where he kind of surrenders to the villain. The villain threatens to kill his daughter in front of him. James Bond pulls out a concealed weapon, kills the guards, and Rami Malek escapes with his daughter. And then Rami Malek immediately lets the daughter go.
0: Yeah, that was a bit silly to me. Uh, maybe it just Like showed she bites how little him and he's mixed.
1: like you don't want to hang out and she's like no nah. and he's like all right you can go and i was like what the fuck <laughs> yeah,
0: so stupid I, I thought that was weird in the moment too i thought it was going to come back um at some point
1: but well i thought the only reason that he was that he would let her go is because he's leaving he's like oh you want to fucking die here sure like obviously a four-year-old's not going to understand the consequences of staying versus going but he's like sure i'll let you die with your family that's fine but then he ends up staying and I was like, oh, you wanted to go face Bond without the daughter as collateral? Like, that doesn't make any fucking... Like, it just didn't make any sense to me. And that's where I'm yeah, like, Yeah, maybe like that they was...
0: decided that they had to uh, let Madeline and, and Matilda... Or Matilde uh, kind of get away. Um, yeah, so... This is where we get the final confrontation with Safin and Bond. Again, it didn't really work for me because I didn't feel like they they really earned the earned it. Right. Because like, they don't, they don't meet until the end of the movie. And I would have rather they had a little bit more time together, or a little bit more cat and mouse between the two of them so that there could have been more of a discussion, but instead it's just like he kidnaps the wife or the girl and, you know, Madeline and, and Matilde, And then they have their one conversation in that weird tea room. um, And then, and then they have the final, they have their final altercation where he infects him. And then that's, that's really that that moment
1: like why why does he need to infect like he shoots him like four times but doesn't ever give him like a killing blow like it doesn't just shoot him in the head
0: yeah i don't i think he wanted bond to live with that knowledge you know what i mean i think he he wasn't trying to kill him i think he wanted him to to feel the pain of never being able to love somebody that way or something um you know, and then Bond sacrifices himself. He gets his final emotional goodbye. And then we watch Bond get take a fucking
1: missile to the face. Um and that's that's the end of that scene. Um apparently jumping to the left four feet's not gonna save you from missiles, only grenades. He should have tried it at
0: least, you know? <laughs> um Yeah, I uh I think um you know, we get the the final scene with M, uh, money penny, Q, uh Double the new 007 and Tanner, um, who uh, are kind of all having a drink with uh, in his memory, and then uh, Ian and then M reads a line from an Ian Fleming James Bond novel um, that's about uh, kind of letting go of of the pursuit of more time on Earth and only living with the time that you're given, which I think is uh, you know I've always thought Ian Fleming was a pretty good. Writer, I wish that he was less horny when he was writing his books because some of those books are like really like filled with sexual innuendo and and uh, you know smut I guess you might call it. But uh, I um, I did really like reading the books when I was younger and I probably I might pick pick a couple back up um, it, following this movie as I often do after a James Bond movie comes out. A uh, that 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 line there was really I think meaningful for this scene. Um, and it worked for me I mean it's still sad it was, I don't know if I if I had less invested in the character I would have been like that was a great ending for this character you know what I mean but it's like James Bond's made it through 26 films and now you're just going to fucking kill him and then bring him back like don't kill him if you're going to bring him back and like you know there is the post credit stinger that James Bond says James Bond we'll will return, return. Um, I don't know what did you real quick what did you think about M's involvement Did you think that was necessary?
1: I I mean, I thought it was uh, a good internal conflict to show, you know, the subordinate, superior conflict between them with James Bond being like, nah, you fucked up. Um, And M, you know, kind of not wanting to face consequences for having to do the dirty work of protecting his country. Um, Right. But yeah, I mean, I I did, I didn't, it didn't throw me off at all. I enjoyed that aspect. I thought thought that the, their focus on diplomatic consequences entire, throughout the third act was was good i enjoyed that they included that like throughout I the think film that he- this
0: whole movie had to do with diplomatic consequences i mean i think that m's involvement in the scheme and his the fact that james bond has to go clean it up um for him is kind of that thing of like you know it i mean right now especially with like the u.s having just left afghanistan and a lot of people kind of like pointing fingers i mean you see these people who are higher up making decisions, and then the people who have to bear the responsibility of those decisions are the the everyday people. You know what I mean? The soldiers in Afghanistan who went over there and fought for absolutely nothing, you know, just because some other people in offices made decisions on their behalf. You know what I mean? Like that's what M's. That's what this is. James Bond had to sacrifice his life to fix M's mistake. You know. Yeah. And I, I, I just thought that that was a really I, – I was really powerful, and I wish that they kind of had pointed it out a little bit more because it really made me kind of like – I'm almost – like a lot of people are like, I hope Ray, Ray Fiennes comes back as M in the next ones. And I'm like, I think I'm done with this version of M because well, he got James killed, all right? I'm done with that.
1: Uh, what I do hope for the future of the films is the last three films, starting with Skyfall, is – God, they just keep throwing in this concept of how terrorism and how enemies of state are no longer these tangible enemies. I mean, there was such a central theme of Skyfall and such a central theme of Spectre and such a central theme of this movie where they're like, we have to develop new shit because our enemies are no longer tangible enemies that you can go fight. Like, oh my God, I'm I'm tired of them reinforcing it over and over again. As a semi-intelligent viewer of these films, um, I get it. You don't have to reinforce it. Yes, your enemies are. Oh, it's also are not just
0: James Bond. I mean, that's all what the new Mission Impossible movies are all about
1: as well. Yeah, and it. I'm just. I don't know if they're just uh, picking up on the themes of counterterrorism, moving to uh, digital, um, as far as national security goes. I get it, but at the same time, like you have a guy on the ground who's literally solving problems, and then reinforcing themes that you don't need guys on the ground literally solving problems. So either lean into it and. Stop making the films or uh, embrace the fact that you need the people. I don't know. It's just, it's just annoying, this, this dichotomy that they reinforce every single film. It's like a CW script where every other uh, – the, the CW follows uh, two different themes. On one episode, they'll say, I don't care about anything. I love you so much and we should be together. In the next episode, they'll say, uh, oh, no, it's too dangerous. We shouldn't be together. In the next episode, they say, nope, can't do it. We need to be together. I can't live without you. And the next thing, they say, nope, it's too dangerous. We can't be together anymore and i feel like it's the same
0: spider-man paradox yeah i agree right
1: the Um, cw does it over and over and over again and all every time they introduce a new character no no it's too dangerous no no you can't come no no i love you i don't know it's bullshit um yeah and james Bond's starting to do the same trend where it's like nope we don't need you wait we need you nope we don't need you wait we need you nope we don't need you wait we it's like okay i get it just fucking need them already
0: yeah i agree um i yeah i'm i'm you know a lot of people are kind of Theorizing that they're going to move into uh, like a 1960s centered James Bond and kind of take James Bond back to the Cold War so that they can kind of avoid all of that stuff. Um, I would be down with that. I think that that's kind of the only way that you can move forward with James Bond after what Daniel Craig's done with the role. You know, I don't think I could do another modern centered one without comparing it directly to what Daniel Craig did. I think I would prefer to see... um, a James Bond that takes place in a different era again. Um, Yeah.
1: I mean, my concern for the franchise is it's going to become like a call of duty type thing where they're just going to start bouncing back and forth between eras. (laughs) Uh,
0: I mean, fuck it. I don't care. This
1: one's set in the modern era. This one's back to world war two. This one's set in the cold war. This one's back to the modern era. It's like, okay, fuck you guys.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think, I mean, I, you know, James Bond's not going anywhere. It's uh, it's too big of a deal. I mean, Amazon just bought uh 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 fucking uh, mgm metro goldwyn meyer um for a lot of money and i feel like it was mostly to get their hands on the james bond uh license um cuz what else does mgm have of any value um that being said they share the rights with the broccoli family who own eon productions and they have kind of like approval on everything and they have basically said like james bond's gonna stay cinematic we're not gonna do james bond tv series we're not gonna do any of that where james bond's always gonna be a movie thing and honestly i want them to i want that i'd prefer to just have i don't need like a james bond overarching story that lasts for 30 years you know i want i just like james bond to just be him on missions you know i kind of hope that they shy away from like he's uh you know have recurring characters like m and money penny um and stuff like that but don't don't give him new love stories all the time you know what i mean like he doesn't need to have like a, a vesper lind that carries over for, through five movies he doesn't need to have right. self-enclosed a right i like those i like I, I'm, I would be happier i think if they went back to you know the character keeps growing over time show that character growth but don't have him I just don't need this love through line with James Vaughn. Right. Um,
1: Acknowledge the films that come before them without relying on them.
0: Right. I, th- I think that that's, that's how I feel about it. Um, I think we can wrap it up there unless you have any final thoughts there on, on yep, the movie. That, I think that covers everything touched... I had for the film. I mean, I think we've been talking about it for about 45 minutes. So yeah. Uh, oh shit. We've been talking about it for an hour. <laughs> so yeah, there's going to be a longer episode to make up for last week's uh, 35 minute episode. <laughs> um, sorry about that. Everybody. I was pretty hungover. Uh, when we recorded it and uh, had just seen one of the most con- confusing movies of my entire life uh, in Venom 2, Let There Be Connage. Um, let's get into recommendations. Jeff, what have you been watching, reading, listening to?
1: Yeah, uh, a couple of things. I finished Rhythm of War. I actually finished it on uh, Monday, so um, a week ago from yesterday. Um, it's good. Read it. It's uh I mean read the first three. Don't read it by itself, you will be confused. But read all of Brandon Sanderson and never stop, never stop. He's uh very never good.
0: start and never stop. If you don't start, you'll never have to stop. That's never what start that's
1: stopping motto is. Never oh,
0: stop, never stopping.
1: Exactly. Um uh, seriously. That movie? Uh that's the uh Andy Samberg, Andy Samberg yes, Justin Bieber. I haven't yeah. seen it, but um I yeah, no, I've not seen it. Um it's I pretty watched funny. I watched Star Wars Visions didn't like it well i liked some of it i didn't like most of it um
0: oh yeah i meant to talk about this a couple weeks ago and uh we didn't get into it um it i you know i watched all of it i thought it was fine um there were a few that i was just sort of like what the fuck is what is this about but yeah um, yeah. i mean i guess if you give a bunch of japanese production houses and just say do whatever you want just call it star wars and then they're just like riding on top of star destroyers and <laughs> fucking just know, do, yeah doing whatever the that fuck grow like, yeah what a the weird fuck? umbrella lightsaber that spins around that was crazy um yeah i mean yeah. i don't know like you just it was just reinterpretations of like what star wars could be right and uh, personally I, was- I would have
1: I think that the show would have benefited with more Sith victories. I didn't think it always had to be the Jedi winning. I I think it would have just been better off a balance between the two, um, especially since it wasn't fucking canon. But uh, yeah, a lot of the I didn't. It wasn't even the animation. I liked all the animation. It was just the stories and what they chose to do with the established physics and canon of the world and how the thing works. It just I I don't know. Didn't like it. Um, I finished the What If show. Are you caught up on What If?
0: Uh, I know I. Watched everything but the final episode, but then I watched a like a full recap of it, and so now I know everything. I, dude, I didn't like it. <laughs> to be honest, no, I, would, I, I did not think it was very good. I thought it was, I don't know, it wasn't for me. Yeah, I think it was more geared towards children, um, and it just wasn't really working for me.
1: Yeah, I, uh, that's fine. I think that, uh, I mean, it was entertaining, um, definitely established who watcher the watcher was and then immediately broke who watched the watcher was <laughs> minutes later he's like hey i'm this dude that just watches shit and doesn't interfere and then he's like oh gotta interfere it's <laughs> like all right really eight episodes in you're breaking in his your oath
0: first appearance he gives f- fucking reed richards the ultimate nullifier what are you talking about he's always been interfering that man be interfering with everything he might as well be called the interferer like he is <laughs> That sounds too much like something about the Fuhrer, so don't call him that. But I, he's always interfering at all times. Uatu is the worst watcher.
1: <laughs> we, need, we, need some, we need to see what the other watchers are doing for reference, but- um... Well, they
0: killed him in Original Sin. Yeah. So he, but I think he's back and he just lives with Nick Fury on the moon, which they should do more comics about that weird odd couple of <laughs> Nick Fury just living on the moon. <laughs> with uatu <laughs> that would be sick <laughs>
1: um let's see i'm um, another things pop culture i went and saw a front bottoms concert at the award field in san francisco who are the um, front bottoms who are the Never front bottoms of them. yes you have they're a pop <laughs> punk uh band from like, the late 2000s. Punk, yeah yeah they're,
0: I mean, they're fun i like was they, show
1: good? easily easily one of my favorite live performances uh the lead singer goes hard he does not hold back like he opened up and sang like eight songs back to back to back just straining his vocals the entire time and i was like jesus what did they open with um uh i don't have the the list off the top of my head Mm, um
0: was it one of so they usually open with one of their their new songs off of it was off
1: the first three songs that they sang was off of their newest album
0: Oh, okay. And yeah. and then
1: they went into their kind of backlog and kind of cycled in between. But I think yeah, like and they the hit first- they first- hit all
0: the hits. I'm sure they did. Twin size mattress and they didn't do all, all the hits.
1: Those. I mean, we don't have to go- cover too much of it, but um, no, they I, didn't do all the hits. This is
0: all the podcast is about for the next hour. He didn't do.
1: They didn't do <laughs> lipstick covered uh, magnet. No, um, that's my favorite. I know. And they didn't do flying model rockets, which is one of my favorites. Um, I don't. Know. So like, they, but they did do a lot of it. They did. They did uh, adios or Revoir, Yeah. Um,
0: that's a great song.
1: Yeah. I don't know. So they, they played a lot of the songs. I didn't recognize most of the songs that they played. They didn't do 12 Feet Deep either. Um, wow.
0: That's like their number but, one hit.
1: Yeah. They didn't. There was a, I mean, they played Camouflage. They played Vacation Town. They played Montgomery Forever. They played. Interesting. Um, so a
0: lot of their more recent albums, it sounds like. Um, yeah. Tie-Dye Dragon. Matches. Yeah. Anyway, they definitely did a so, Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, they're great. They're a great band to see live. They're a great band to listen to in your car or at home. Uh, check them out. They are called if you The like, Front
1: Bottoms. Yeah. If you like loud singing over sad guitars, that's that's kind of my wheelhouse. And, yeah. Uh,
0: it's uh, it's good.
1: Um, and cool. then the other thing, I, I finished Squid Game and I'm finishing Titans today. Okay. Um, I Let's
0: talk about Squid Game next week when Brian's back. Yeah. Because he's the one that told us to watch it and then we both did and – uh, I've, I've also finished it, and I think I have a lot of questions about that one as well. I liked it quite a lot, but I do sure. still have, there's a lot of stuff that I am just sort of like, what is going on here? And um, then the
1: last thing that I want to say is I saw an article that Netflix has uh, announced that 90s show with Red Foreman and Kitty um, returning to uh, reprise their roles.
0: That's right. I heard about this as well. I am tentatively excited um i kind of hope that they don't do it in this that 70s show format where it's you know uh, multi-cam sitcom with a laugh track i kind of want them to do modernize some, it a little bit some yeah some a little bit more new girl or happy endings or something like that more, more yeah. single cam i mean it, um, i feel the same way stuff. about
1: it as i i do the uh how i met your mother um remake or or continuation with hillary duff how i like met a, your
0: father yeah
1: i i think that it's i'm gonna give it a shot i I have much enough respect for the original content that i'm gonna see what they can do with it you know in in both cases i don't think it's the original cast that necessarily sells the show i think it's the writing i mean although i think ashton kutcher and topher grace were um and and mila kunis as well i think they're all um very influential people but it's it's not like they did what they did was can never be repeated i think they can very easily cast a good cast and and do it again
0: i think they did great with the cast that they had uh you know laura prepon is really great as donna uh wilmar valderrama is really good and then uh Hyde, who apparently has been canceled uh because i guess he was like tech, i don't doing something he was like sexually harassing people or something so um allegedly excuse me allegedly please don't sue me Hyde, actor right. whose name I have, I have no idea what it is that's, that's um, everything
1: that i have um what about you cool. what have you been doing
0: uh the wife and i have been watching uh some horror movies it is the spookiest of seasons so um we've been doing that but i'm not really gonna get into that mostly because i can't remember the names of any of the ones that we've watched recently uh i do know that we watched hocus pocus and monster house yesterday while we were packing up our house those movies hold the fuck up they're so good uh hocus pocus has never really been like a big one for me but i feel like i've liked it more and more as i've watched it we basically watch it every year around halloween because my wife really likes it and i don't think i ever saw it when i was a kid so i don't have like that nostalgia for it but i'm like like every year i'm starting to get like more and more excited to watch it because i'm actually like this movie's kind of incredible actually (laughs) it's very campy it's very stupid um very 90s but very fun um Monster House is really good. Mike Mignola was the art director on it. Uh, he's the guy who created Hellboy. He's one of my favorite comic book artists of all t- uh, and writers of all time. Um, and so for him, you know, I, you can really see a lot of his sort of hand in the design of things, um, which is really cool. Uh, you know, the, we've watched a few other ones that I, you know I, I just cannot think of. Uh, Oh, we watched a movie called *Along Came a Spider*, which is an Alex Cross movie, which is a character developed by James Patterson. It, he's uh, hes like a uh, forensic psychologist, so he's like a detective. Um, it's one of those '90s detective-style mysteries. Um, really good. I liked it a lot. Uh, Morgan Freeman, obviously incredible. Really interesting to go back and watch a movie where he's young and he's his hair is not white. You know, he's got black hair and he's like really thin and. You know, l- youthful looking is very interesting. Um, still, just just an incredible actor. Um, but yeah, so those are some of the things I've been watching. I uh, started reading a comic book called The Forest, which is by James the Fourth, and the same writer that, or excuse me, the same artist that he works with on that book, Wind, that I recommended a few years back or a few weeks back. Um, it's really interesting. Basically, a high school um, with all of its students. Just suddenly are transported to a another planet, um, and there's weird aliens and creatures there, and the, it's kind of like the dynamics of like the teachers trying to assert control, while also the students who are young adults are trying to kind of be like. Explore. The teachers aren't doing things right, and you know, re- sort of rebelling, and um, you know, maybe some of the teachers are kind of creepy and fucked up, and you know, it's and mm. some of the kids think they're smarter than everybody and think they have a plan for things and it's uh are the kids
1: trying to discover why they got transported do they believe that there's some, an actual explanation
0: yeah some so there's like a few different storylines going on some of the kids have kind of left the school and are journeying out through the this like you know weird alien forest and trying to figure out what the story like you know what how they got there and what why they're there and stuff like that and uh it's all free on Comicsology right now so I downloaded all of the trades on there and I've been working my way through I think I'm I'm, on, I'm just in the middle of the second one. Um, just started it this week, but I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, so that's my, those are my recommendations. I'm trying to think, I feel like there was something else I really wanted to recommend, um, but I didn't write it down. So I guess we're just not going to do it. And plus we're we're past our time here. So let's, uh, let's just wrap it up there. What should we ask our listeners to reach out to us about this time? Anything? I don't
1: know. Uh, Do we have a topic for next week? Is there a film coming out that we have to go see?
0: Uh, I know that we got Dune on the 22nd of October. Uh, We got Spider-Man coming up in, I think, December. Um, Those are the two big ones that I'm really looking forward to um, for the rest of the year. I'm sure there's a few others that uh, will kind of pop up in there. But I think next week maybe we go and we do – that uh harry potter topic that i had talked about which is yeah. and we can um, we can
1: flush that out with uh with squid game as well because i'm sure we'll all have thoughts yeah and
0: then it. we'll we'll split the time w- between squid game and that i don't think we're i'm gonna have that much discussion on squid game as much as i'm just gonna we're, have some questions uh to see to pose to us but uh yeah so next week i think we're gonna try to sort uh characters from other major franchises or other you know great movies into their hogwarts houses um, so if the listener at home has any recommendations of characters that they'd like to ha- hear that discussion about, uh, please reach out to us uh, at cleverkidspodcast at gmail.com or at cleverkidspod on Instagram. Let us know what characters you'd like to see. and uh, And yeah, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.
1: Thanks, everyone. Bye. <laughs>